Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. You guys doing well today? It's so good to have you with us. If you're just now joining us, my name is Red. I'm the lead pastor here at One Life Church. It's great to have you with us. I also want to take a moment and welcome our online podcast family. Church family, put your hands together for those who are listening right now online. Let them know how much you love them. Yes, so if you're unable to be with us physically, we know that you are with us spiritually by listening and joining in. We're so thankful that you're along for the ride. And when you feel comfortable, we want you to know that we are here in a social distancing safe way for you. We love you so very much. So come when you can and when you are comfortable. Well, all right, you guys, we're in a series we're calling Choose Joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. There you go. Man, you're feeling good today. All right, so let's jump into this theme verse that comes out of Isaiah chapter 61. Verse 3, let me give you a little bit of background. This is Isaiah. He was a prophet, um, which basically meant before Christ showed up, God would speak to men and women, and they would hear from God, and they would share what they heard. Well, Isaiah not only uh, heard from God, but he, (laughs) he had a vision of Jesus hundreds of years before Christ showed up on the scene. And not only did he have a vision of Jesus, but he saw what Jesus wanted to produce in every one of our lives. And actually, if you'll read in the New Testament, when Jesus started his ministry, he actually stood in the temple, read this scroll, and said, I've come to fulfill this. So it's amazing. So you can read it not only hundreds of years before Christ, but you can even read it in the gospel accounts of Christ. And so this is what Isaiah said that Jesus wants to produce in us. And this is where we get the theme of our series, is that Jesus came to give us, everybody say this, the oil of, say that word highlighted, the oil of what? Joy. The oil of joy. Jesus came us to give us joy. For what? For mourning. In other words, for every place where we're depressed, anxious, stressed, exhausted, hurting, emotionally, physically, hopeless. Jesus Christ came to give you Joy, And he wants you to experience it, my friends. And too often times as Christians, men and women who say we follow Christ, we settle for way less. I don't want you to settle for less. I want you to experience what Jesus Christ himself paid a high price for on the cross with his blood. And that was so that you and I, my friend, could experience joy. Everybody say joy. God not only wants to give you joy for your life, but he also wants to give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Again, I pointed this out last week. I'll point it out again today. I want you to notice the spirit, the word spirit, the spirit. What does that basically mean? It means there's more to wait in our life. It's not just circumstantial. The things that we're facing, the things that we're dealing with aren't just circumstantial. My friends, they're spiritual. And what we're facing as a nation, what we're facing as a state, as a community, in our homes, what you, my friend, are facing in your marriage, in your spouse, in your relationship with your kids and at work, with your boss and coworkers, it, it is spiritual. So it's not just about the Democrats. It's not just about the Republicans. It's not just about the economy. It's not just about the racial divide. It's not just about these politicians and the disunity. It's not about your husband or your wife or your neighbor's barking dog. Come on, somebody. Please, God, help me. I love you, bro. If you're listening to the message today, I love you. <clears throat> It's real. Struggle's real. 
It's, circumstance, it's not just circumstantial, but it's spiritual. But this shouldn't surprise us, nor should it scare us. Actually, uh, God spoke to us through, um, I don't have the scripture on the screen, but I'm just going to tell you that for extra note takers if you want to write it down. Ephesians 6 verse 12 tells us that, my friends, the things that we fight against, the troubles that we face aren't against people. It's not against flesh and blood. But what we fight against, the troubles that we face, my friends, are absolutely spiritual. They're rulers, they're authorities in heavenly places. This is spirit of heaviness. In John 16, Jesus tells us, hey, my friends, listen, you're going to have trouble in this world. You're going to face some spiritual heaviness, but take heart, be encouraged. Here's the good news. You ready for this? I have overcome the world. I've overcome it. And that's why he tells us in John chapter 10, 10, he said, listen, I have come so that you could experience life, but not just life. I've come that you could experience more and abundantly and have just abundance, abundance of life. In other words, I've come to give you, my friend, joy. And so even if your circumstances don't change as much as we want them to, and as much as we want that person to change or our spouse to change, even if none of that changes, I'm telling you today that you can have joy. This is my hope for you today. This is our hope for you as a church, is that you experience joy. But I need you to understand one important thing. I need you to experience a revelation from God today, and that is you need to understand that joy is a choice. It's a choice. So what do we do? Well, we got to choose joy. We have to choose joy. In other words, uh, joy's not going to find you. you got to find it. See, a lot of times we look at joy as if it's something like a ditch we fall into. We're just walking along and, oh, hey, woo, I got joy, baby. I just fell into the ditch of joy. Right? No, that's not how it works. Joy's not going to jump on you. My friend, you've got to jump on joy. You've got to choose joy. That's what this series is all about, to teach you how you can do that. The key word is choose. Choices lead. Your feelings follow. Because a lot of times we don't feel like it. But the reality is we can choose it and we can experience. We've got to get to the place, you guys, we say, you know what? I'm no longer going to let my circumstances dictate how I feel. I'm no longer going to give power over to another person to determine on how, if I'm going to have a good day or not. No, I'm going to get what's mine through the blood of Christ Jesus. And what he promised me is joy. And I'm going to walk in what God promised me despite what I see, despite what I feel. And it's based on what I know and the truth of God's word of what Jesus gave me. And that is joy. Somebody say amen. Amen. Listen, so every Sunday throughout this series, I'm just basically trying to give you a choice. And the choice that I want to give you and that if you will make and if you will apply in your life, the promise, my friend, is joy. But not fake joy. Not this, ha, ha, ha. No. I'm talking about a deep-seated, like internal peace and this comfort and this joy and something you just can't explain unless you experience. It's like going to Disney World, man. You can tell me about Disney World all day long or I can tell you about Disney World all day long. And if you haven't been, you just don't know how it's the happiest place on earth. At least they sell it that way to us, right? And so last week I gave you what I consider the first choice. And the first choice was to pray first. I showed you and I walked you through the book of Philippians chapter 4 and we did an outline. And I just showed you how prayer coincides with joy. But today I'm going to bring you something honestly that I really, can I just be real with you as a pastor and as a friend today? I like struggle with this topic because it's not something you preach to grow a church. But it's something you preach to grow the people in your church. And so I have an opportunity to stand before God one day for did I preach the whole truth and and nothing but the truth, so help you God, right? That's kind of like the ordeal. And I've got a responsibility before the Lord to you 
to preach God's truth. And here's the thing. What we're going to talk about today may be a little tough on the surface, but I'm telling you, there is joy on the other side of it. And so it's a choice that I believe, honestly, is the most positive word in the entire Bible. But the world has grabbed a hold of it and, and just attached this negative connotation and tone to it. And probably, partly, it's pr- probably due to Christian's fault, to be honest with you. And that's the word, repent. We've got to get to a place where we make a daily choice to repent. Now listen, this word repent, I think I said it earlier. I said, in our minds, we think that repent is that guy on the street corner. Or when you're going to the football game and the guy's got the megaphone, he's like, you better turn or you better burn. You better get right or you're going to get left. You're going to die and go to hell. I don't know. That's the, I don't know if they sing it or whatever. But we get that picture mentally, right? Because that's what we see. That's not the word. That's not what repent means, everybody. You know what the word repent means? Really simple. <laughs> you ready for this? This is so deep. You're going to be glad you came to church today. Repent just simply means I was headed this direction, but it just simply means to turn. That's all it means. It means, God, I, I was doing things my own way, but the things that I was doing really wouldn't get me where I thought it would take me. And I'm really empty. I'm lonely. I'm guilty. I'm ashamed. And I can't do this anymore. God, I need your hope. So I'm just going to turn. I had a change of mind. I have a change of heart. I have a change of attitude. I am aligning my life back with God's way, God's plan, God's purposes for my life. That's all I mean. It just means I am here and I'm going to repent. And I'm telling you, we need to get to a place where we make a daily choice to do this. And the reason many of us were like, man, I'm not experiencing joy in my life. The reason is, my friends, for many of us, is because we haven't dealt with the greatest killjoy in our entire life. And that's one word, three letters. Sin. We haven't dealt with the greatest killjoy in our life called sin. And some of you are thinking, well, Rhett, what in the world does this have to do with joy, man? Sin, repenting, man, this is heavy. I thought this was a series about joy, my friend. It has everything to do with joy. The reason you're guilty is shame. The reason you're dealing with so much weight and so much burden on your life is because you're concealing things from your mom, your dad, your spouse, your, your husband, your friends, your coworker, your boss. You know what they are. There's a Holy Spirit. He can tell you what they are. You're concealing these things. And it's destroying your health, it's destroying your emotions, it's destroying your marriage, it's destroying your family and all your relationships. It's destroying everything that's important in your life. And the reason you're not experiencing joy is because you haven't dealt with the killjoy. And as I was preparing this message, there were so many different things that I could tell you about sin. I could tell you how it's fun, baby, for a season. We've all experienced the pleasure of it, but we've all experienced the pain from it. I could tell you how it destroys your life, you know, Romans 6.33, the wages of sin is death. Like, you're going to die if you continue to walk in it. I could tell you how it not only affects your life, but it will affect your family's life and your family tree and generations to come. I can tell you how it would destroy your identity, but the one thing I really need you to walk out of here today, as it relates to joy, is this. is that sin steals our joy. Sin steals our joy. It sucks the life out of you, man. Have you ever been in a room and everything's really happy, everybody's really joyous, but then that one person walks in who will remain nameless and all of a sudden like the whole energy just got zapped out of the room and everybody's like really miserable? Just label that person sin. <laughs> just kidding. Don't do that. But that's what sin does when it comes into the doorway of your life and your heart. All right? 
It's still, it sucks the life out of you. It sucks the joy out of you. And I'm not just talking like this emotion of this giddiness of, woo, because we can all pretend to be happy and wear the mask. A lot of us do that every Sunday and every week. We can be happy on the inside, but be absolutely miserable and empty on the inside. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking something that goes much deeper than that. And here's the bottom line of the whole message. If you hear one thing, hear this, is that we can't have sin in our lives and be joyful at the same time. So you're taking notes, write that down. That's really good. I didn't make that up. So I stole that from another pastor, but it's really good. It's the truth of God's word. It's on my mirror now. We can't have sin in our lives and be joyful at the same time. Let me show you scripture. Look at this. Psalm 32, 1 through 5, verse 10 and 11. Oh, what joy. Everybody say joy. joy. What joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Goes on to say, yes, what joy. Say joy. joy. Joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. In other words, whose lives have nothing to hide. Those who have nothing to hide, those who've come clean before God, man, they got joy. Watch this. The psalmist said, listen, when I refused to confess my sin, like when I thought I could just conceal it, when I thought I could hide it, when I thought I could handle it on my own, apart from God and apart from others, look at what he says. He said, I felt like my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. And that's how many of us feel. Smiling on the outside, miserable on the inside. Like we're groaning all day long. And look at this. Day and night, it says, he felt like God's hand of discipline was heavy on me. He said, my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. But he said, finally, enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm going to make a choice. What's the choice that he made? He said, I confessed all my sin. He repented to God, and he stopped trying to conceal his sin. He stopped trying to hide his guilt. And then he said to himself, he said, I said to myself, God, I will confess. I will come clean to the things that I'm hiding. My rebellion, I'm going to come clean on it. And look at the promise that God made. Look at this. He said, and you forgave me. And not only that, check this out, my guilt is gone. So the weight, the heaviness, the burden, the anxious, the stress, the spirit of heaviness is gone. How? Repenting, confessing, coming clean before the Lord. He goes on to make this statement in verse 10. He says, many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. Now I want to time out for a moment talk about this word unfailing. I think it's absolutely important for you to understand how you view God. Like how you see him will determine on how you respond to him. If you think God is mean, sitting on a white throne ready to judge you and strike you down for every bad thing that you did, trust me, my friend, you're not going to want to turn to him. Nor would I. That's how I grew up thinking God was like. But if you come to realize that God is unfailing in his love, that never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I'm here in it to win it with you forever. Like, I know the things that you did last night, but I still love you because I know that's what you were doing, but that's not who you are. Like, you're my son, you're my daughter. Come here, I want to hold you while you're hurting and help you through this kind of love. When you know that, my friend, what is, I want to turn to that. What would keep us from turning? See, and so your perspective of God is so important to know that his love is unfailing. Because of his love, look at this. I love this verse in this line, verse 11. He said, so rejoice. Woo! That's what it says. Rejoice and be glad. All you Christians, all the Christians, those who obey him, those who follow Christ, 
obey him. Those who follow him. And not only that, shout for joy. Choose joy, all you whose hearts are pure. You know, I have people ask me all the time, Rhett, why in the world are you so happy? Are you happy all the time? And I tell them, listen, my friend, if you knew the things that I were forgiven from, that God delivered me from, that he healed me from, that he set me free from, I'm telling you, that is why I'm so happy. Not because my life is perfect, but because of what God has done inside of me. He saved me. He's healed me. He's redeemed me. He's delivered me. He's taken me from death to life in every area, my friend. If we sat down over coffee, I could share some stories. You'd be like, whoa, you used to do that? Yep. And you're a pastor? God has a sense of humor. (laughs) Nothing in this world can give you more joy than coming clean before God. Did you hear me? Nothing in this world can give you more joy than coming clean before God and having a pure heart before God. And that's why I want to encourage you to make a daily choice. And that daily choice is to repent. Why? Because we can't have sin in our lives and be joyful at the same time. Peter said it this way, Acts chapter 3, verse 19 through 20. He said, now... This is right when the church was born. The power of the Holy Spirit showed up on the scene and people's lives were being changed. And Peter stood up and he said, hey guys, repent of your sins. And here it is. I'm going to tell you what repent looks like. Turn. Turn to God. Why? So that your sins may be wiped out. And don't miss this. So that times of refreshing. My friend, I want this so bad for you. I want it more than the air I breathe. I want you to experience times of refreshing. But it only comes from one place. And that is from the presence of the Lord comes from God's presence, everybody. Listen, joy is not a figment of your imagination. Joy is not something that is unattainable. It's absolutely, it's absolutely attainable. It comes through one person. His name is Jesus, and it begins with us confessing, coming clean before God, that you experience it. So what does it look like? Okay, give me a little bit more practical, Rhett. You ready? What does it look like? All right. Just today, I've decided to kind of do what I did last week, and that's outline just one chapter in the Bible. And I couldn't think of a better chapter in the entire book of the Bible that talks about repentance better than Psalm chapter 51. This was the Psalm of David. What's a Psalm? It basically was a song, S-O-N-G. And it was written by a man named David who absolutely uh, was a nobody. He was a shepherd that ended up God used him to become the greatest king of all time in Israel's history. And God even looked at David and said, you're a man after my own heart. Why? Because of what he learned through repentance. He wasn't a perfect man. In fact, he made some huge mistakes. And this verse comes after one of the biggest mistakes of his life. You, know, you want to know what he did? If you don't know the story, the man saw a woman taking a bath or a shower. He's a king. He sits up pretty high. There was a woman taking a shower. You're adults in here. You, you understand what happened. He lusted after her. He said, I want her. Got her. Uh, committed adultery with her. Um, ended up basically saying, oh, well, now I've messed up. Now I've got to kill the woman's husband so I can cover up the mess that I did. So then he, he kills Uriah, this woman's husband. And so not only did he commit adultery, not only did he kill <laughs> this woman's husband, I mean, like, he's covering this thing up. Like, he's just messed up. He is at the bottom of the barrel, everybody. And then he gets called out by a prophet named Nathan, and then he repents. And this is what he writes in this repentance. And there are four things that I want to outline in this that we see that repentance, the result of repentance is joy. The result of repentance is joy. You want to know what repentance has to do with joy and getting sin out of our lives so we can be joyful? It's this, four things, Psalm 51, 2. David said, God, wash, wash me. Everybody say wash. Wash me. What does that mean? It means, God, there's, there's a moment that every single one of us as Christians need to come to a place where we come clean before God. And we need to learn this. 
And this goes beyond just salvation, everybody. This is a daily thing. And that's, write it down this way in your notes. We need to daily choose to put to death our old sinful nature. We need to daily choose to put to death my old sinful nature. What does that look like? It basically means you need to have a conversation with God before you start your day. I love this one man's prayer. i got to read it. It's pretty, it's pretty good. So our prayer should look something like this. Dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, haven't been grumpy, haven't been nasty, haven't looked at things I shouldn't be looking at, haven't been selfish, and haven't overate. I'm so thankful for that. But God, here in a few moments, I'm about to get out of bed. And I'm going to need a lot of help. Listen, every one of us have issues, including the guy talking to you. If you don't think you got an issue, my friend, that is your issue. All God's children got issues. We all have things that we're working on, that we're dealing with. We're all in the same hospital together. Let's stop pretending that we're perfect. Like Some of us have just checked into this hospital a little bit sooner than others. That's it. We're all hurting. We're all dealing with things. We're on a journey together. It's called a process. It's what it is. Many of us sell Christianity like, oh, you gave your heart to Christ. Woo, you're in perfect world now. No, it doesn't exist that way. Like, there's a journey for us to take. There's a process of healing. And so confession is good for the soul, bad for the reputation. In order to help you out, I'm just going to kind of, I'm not here to build a reputation. I'm here to build you up, okay? So one of the things I'm going to be honest with you about is that I'm very impatient. You're like, no way, right? Are you impatient? Yeah, I am when I'm driving. And all the wives look at their husband. They're like, oh, my gosh, it's my husband, too. Just kidding. I'm very impatient. And so this is what this looks like. Dying to myself, putting it to death every day my old sinful nature. I, I basically say, God, today if I don't have you in my life, I'm going to do stupid. I, I, when that person cuts me off, when I get on the highway on 84 and I'm headed down to Eagle Road for that meeting and these people that are driving, I don't know why they have driver's licenses, Lord. But, um, and they don't know how to drive because they're going slow in the passing lane and the light's green, but yet they're still sitting there. I'm like, come on, Jesus. where are y'all? y'all don't leave me up here alone. Come on. <laughs> This is humanity. This is life. I'm like, God, if I don't, what I do is I go ahead and thank God in advance because I know the sinful nature. I know these tendencies that God's working on me. And it might not be impatience. It may be some other area in your life that you know is a struggle or something you struggle with. So you just got to go every day. God, I'm going to you, and I'm going to put that thing to death. I need you to come in and intervene in this. What am I doing? I'm just saying yes to God, no to the devil. That's what I'm doing. And it's a daily choice. It's not a one and done. My friend, I wish it was that simple. Because sin is like a zombie, man. I mean, like you bury that puppy, but in the middle of the night, that puppy comes out of the grave, and I don't know where it came from. But it's right there all up in your face when you wake up in the morning. Let me show you what the Bible says, Romans 8, 12 through 13. Therefore, brothers and sisters, talking to Christians, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by it, dictates you will die. Now, time out. It's not talking about spiritual death here. A lot of people misquote this. This is not talking about you're going to die and go to hell. It's talking about physically you're going to die. It's talking about a physical death. It's talking about emotional death. It's talking about your dreams are going to die. Your relationships are going to die. Your joy will die when there's sin in your life. But if, notice this, through the power of the Spirit, in other words, you make a daily choice to put to death the tendencies the impatience, the lustful thoughts, whatever they are, if you'll put those things to death, go and have a conversation with God about it, then, my friend, look at that, you will live. You'll have joy. You'll have peace. You'll have relief. And that's my hope for you today is that you experience this. Second thing, not only does God want 
not only did we learn something from David here when he said, wash me, he said, number two, this in Psalm 51, 7, he said, cleanse me. Everybody say, cleanse me. What does he mean by this? It means help me find freedom from the hurts, the things in the past, and the wounds, the unforgiveness. Help me find freedom. Cleansing is internal. It's this thing that happens on the inside. And that's why the second choice, I need you to write this down today. Second daily choice is you need to learn how to daily release your past and take another step toward freedom. You need to learn how to daily release your past and take another step toward freedom. What does that look like? Well, this is where it kind of gets difficult, okay? I I struggled with God last night because this wasn't in my notes, but God said, no, put this in your notes. So I'm just trying to be obedient. This is how this works. Two things. Number one is forgiveness. Forgiveness. You're taking extra notes, write that off to the side. Forgiveness. Let me tell you what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness isn't reconciliation. Forgiveness isn't restoration. In other words, forgiveness doesn't mean you've got to do life with a person that hurts you. Forgiveness doesn't say what they did to you is no big deal. No, it was a huge deal. That's not what forgiveness is. No, you know what forgiveness does? It releases you from your past and from your pain. It actually, it, we think that when we forgive somebody that we're releasing them. But you know what's happening? No, the only person that's getting set free is you. The prisoner you're setting free by forgiving somebody, the prisoner you're setting free is you. And God wants you to experience joy. And my friend, you will not experience joy when you're harboring unforgiveness in your heart. And this is huge. This is huge. Red, I don't want to forgive. I'm not ready to do that. Well, okay. It's your choice. You're not going to experience joy. In fact, guys, it's a dangerous place to live your life. Don't take my word for it. Jesus himself, the red letters of the Bible. Many pastors don't preach this message. It's hard to preach. But it's the truth. And I want you to see this. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 6, 15. My friends, if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If we don't forgive, God won't forgive ours. And I just want you to know, I have a list. I'm not asking you to do something that I don't do. I'm 43 years old, been in ministry 20-something plus years, and I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. I've been hurt, I've been wounded, I've been walked out on, I've been abandoned, I've been basically uh, abused mentally, physically. Um, I mean, I could go on, and I remember the names, I remember the people, and I remember the conversations, and I remember things that have happened, and I write their names down. I have a little note and I write them down. And every day that I pray, I said, these are the people I've forgiven and I pray for. I list their name. I don't do it for them. I do it for me. Because I've got to experience joy. I'm not going to let the bitterness and the weight of sin bring me down to take me to a place where God won't even forgive my sins. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not easy. It's difficult. Because some of you guys, you've walked a very difficult road. I get that. We're on a journey. All I'm asking you to do is release your past so you can just take one little step toward finding freedom. One little step. And so just to remind you, we can't have sin in our life and experience joy at the same time. And Jesus wants you, my friend, to be free and to experience joy. He wants you to experience this. And so Ephesians 4.23 doesn't make it easier, but it makes it a little bit easier. And when we recognize we can forgive each other, how? Why? Because God forgave you. When I know how much God has forgiven me, for all the stupid things that I've done, man, it makes it a little bit easier for me to forgive somebody else. I'm not saying it's easy. It is hard. 
So, but this is what we have to do to release our past in order to take a step toward finding freedom. I told you it was two things. Number one is forgiveness. Number two, here's the good part. You ready? It's family. Family. Write that down in your notes off to the side. Family. We need forgiveness and we need family. We need a community. We need friends. Listen, we can't just involve God in the process of us finding freedom. We've got to involve God's people. Not just anybody, but God's people, the right people, the encouraging people, the loving people, the gracious people, the one who will forgive, the the one who will help you. Look at this. I'll show it to you. James 5, 16. My friends, One Life Church, you get this, but continue in it, my friends. Make this your common practice, your daily practice. Confess your sins, but not just to God, but to each other. Not just to anyone, though. you got to have the right people in your life. you got to have somebody that says, hey, listen, man, I'm in this with you. I know this is tough. I don't have all the answers, but I'm not going to leave your side. I've got you. What you share with me is between you and me. We're going to be in this. I got your back. And pray for, here it is again, each other. I've highlighted each other. Go back, go back, my friend. Each other. Each other. It takes people. Not just to God, but to other people. So that you can live together. You ready for this? Oh, I love this. Whole and healed. Whole and healed. In other words, so you can find freedom. And I love this next line. The prayer of a person who's living right with God. The prayer of the person who's in your corner speaking life into you. Life-giving, community, small groups. That person coming together with you, praying together. Look, something. watch this. Something powerful. It's something powerful to be reckoned with. Y'all. A lot of us wonder why we're going through so much pain. Look, take inventory of who, who we're doing life with. we got to have the right people, and that's why small groups are so important. I could go on for days. Life change happens in life-giving relationships. We just came out of a small group season, and we're taking a short break as we get ready for the fall, but I'm going to encourage you. You're going to hear this a lot around here because it is the truth of God's Word. You want to experience a fulfilled life? You want to experience joy? you got to have the right people in your life. Can I get a better amen from those who have attended small groups? Amen. So wash me, God. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Do this work on the inside of me. And then look at 3, Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God. In other words, God created me a sense of purpose and sense of destiny. Write it down this way. Number three, daily pursue God's plan for my life. We've got to get to a place where we're daily pursuing God's plan for our life. In other words, this is what it looks like, God. Today, not my will, your will. Not my will, your will. Your will be done. I need you to reveal into me, to create in me the plan, the purpose of your life in me. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this is important. And I'm running out of time this morning because I spent a little bit more time on the front end than I, than I thought I would. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump to the fourth one. So wash me, cleanse me, create in me. And now look at this, Psalm 51, verse 12 through 13. We'll close here. Restore to me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. On time out, what is the joy of your salvation? Think about it. What is the joy of your salvation? Obviously, yes, it's Christ, of course. But look at the next line. It's not just that. Check this out. It's so that you can, I can teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. My friends, joy isn't just salvation. That is a part of it. But joy, you experiencing real joy to restore to me what it's like to be a Christian. What is it like to be a Christian? It's called making a difference with my life. And that's why number four is I'm going to choose every day of my life to live a life that impacts others. Put that on the screen, my friend. Number four, I'm going to daily live a life that impacts 
others. And I'm telling you, you're never going to know the fulfillment that comes until your life is making it. Ask anybody on our dream team. Ask the kids' life team right now. Ask our grush, uh, ushers. Ask our greeters. Ask our coffee team. Ask those who went out on that serve day yesterday to serve the families. They will tell you, my friend, my goodness, I went to give joy to somebody else, but I walked away with more joy because my life made a difference. They were experiencing the truth of what it's like to be a Christian. And my friends, this is my hope for you today, is that you experience joy, that we say, wash me. Everybody say, wash me. God, forgive me. Forgive me. We come to a place, my friend, where we just get honest with God and come clean before him, that we come into a relationship with God. The way we call it here is no God. And then the second thing he said was, Lord, cleanse me. What does that mean? God, help me find freedom. Help me release my past so I can move toward the future. Help me find freedom. And then God ultimately helped me discover my purpose by just creating in me, God, your will, not mine, your purpose, not mine, so that I can ultimately do the fourth thing around here, which is our plan, or our, not our plan, God's plan and our hope for your life, and that's that you make a difference, that God will restore Wash me, cleanse me, create in me, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Not just Christ, but the fact that my life can make a difference in the life of somebody else. Not just any difference, but an eternal difference. And so here's my closing thought, and that is this. Joy, my friend, is more than a feeling. It's a way of living. Joy is more than a feeling. It's a way of living. And I want to invite you into this way of living today. Will you bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment? So my friends, I just want to remind you that we can't have sin in our life and be joyful at the same time. There are many of us in this life, none of us are perfect. We're all in this hospital together, including the person who's talking to you today. And so I just want to walk all of us as a family through this process of what that looks like. And so God, right now, in this moment, together as a family, we come before you and we say, God, search our hearts, search our minds. God, if there's anything in our life and in our spirit that offends you, that causes us not to become the best version of ourselves that you called us to, God, we surrender that to you right now. And we say, wash us, cleanse us. God, create in us and restore to us, God, the joy of our salvation. We want to walk in relationship and knowing you. God, we want to find freedom from our past so we can move toward the future you've called us to. God, we want to truly understand the purpose and destiny you have for us so we can make a difference with our life. God, we pray that today. We give you access to our heart when we surrender our life to you, daily surrendering to you. Now, my friends, there's some of you in this room with every head bowed, every eye closed, some of you are in this room and you don't have a relationship with God. And I just want you to understand that the truth is you feel that God is distant and it's not because of who you are, but it's because of the sin in your life. And that sin brings separation between us and God. It's the barrier between the relationship between you and God. And Jesus Christ came to destroy that barrier. It's a free gift. It's something you can simply receive, and it's amazing. And my encouragement to you today, if you want to walk away from the guilt, you want to walk away from the shame, you want to walk away from the burden and the heaviness that you're feeling of hopelessness today, and you want to experience a miracle that you just can't understand, but that you've got to experience just by simply confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin to pay a price that you are going to pay, but you don't have to because of what Christ did for you. If you want to receive that today, my friend, it'd be an honor to lead you in a simple prayer. If you want to experience life, if you want to experience freedom, my friend, today is the day. Now is the time. This is the place. It's time to come and surrender your life completely, completely to God. And my friend, that is salvation. That is what salvation is all about. 
It's not going to church. It's not doing good things. It's simply saying, God, I need you. I receive you. Come into my heart today. If you want to do that with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not calling you down to the front. I just simply want to say a prayer for you, and I'd love to know who you are today. Would you be so bold as just to raise your hand across the room right now and let me know who I'm speaking to? If that's you, God, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to confess. I want to come clean, and I want to walk in a relationship with you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Whether you raise your hand or whether you didn't, it doesn't matter. It's a heart thing, and I want you to know this. If that's you today, just pray this along with me. Just say, Jesus, I receive what you've done for me. I believe you died and rose again. I put my hope and trust in you today. Forgive me. Change me. Come live on the inside of me. I declare you as my Lord and my Savior. Put my faith in you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, One Life Church family, can we put our hands together today for those who made a decision to follow Jesus? Awesome.